The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I am James Birch, your host, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins of Immaculate Conception Church in Norwood. Good evening, Father. Good morning, Jim. And we also have a special guest tonight, Attorney Thomas Condit, who is prominent for his pro-life work and also for his work on constitutional issues. Good evening, Tom. Hello, Jim. Now, recently, the Supreme Court came out with a ruling that said it is a fundamental right of same-sex couples to marry pursuant to the Due Process Clause and the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. Constitution. A Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis, has refused to issue any marriage licenses, whether to same-sex couples or to heterosexual couples, recently, and she was brought before a federal judge, held in contempt of court, and jailed for five days because of this. She's been released, but only under orders that she is in no way to interfere with the issuing of marriage licenses in Kentucky. So the first question I have tonight is for Father, and as Catholics, the question might arise, what difference does the Supreme Court decision, uh, or even Miss Davis's stance, Mrs. Davis's stance on this matter, because we're not actually even talking about the sacrament of matrimony? Well, we're not talking about the sacrament of matrimony when it comes to same-gender couples. That's for sure. We're not even talking about uh, natural marriage. There is no marriage bond possible between two men or two women. Um, you know, as Catholics, we see that the primary essential purpose of marriage as God created was to uh, produce human life, to give life. And uh, whatever wizardry we might, uh, we might cook up with our technology, we're not going to make uh, couples of two men or of two women produce life. Not naturally, certainly, and uh, anything that they would produce would be some sort of a technological monster, not a human being. And so uh, it is fundamentally impossible, to use the Supreme Court's word fundamentally, it is absolutely impossible that a man could be joined to a man in a matrimonial bond, or a woman joined to a woman in matrimonial bond. Um, so you ask, what is the, why, why be concerned about it? Well, it is because they're trying to uh, uh, actually destroy the very idea of what marriage really is. And so uh, we have to stand up and say, and not only for the, for the sake of our uh, faith in God and uh, to vindicate God's sovereignty who created marriage and the God who created us, but also for the sake of you know, our own human race and future generations, we have to insist that uh, God created marriage to be what it is, and we cannot falsify that. This is merely an attempt 
uh, of worldlings to take a creation of God for his own service and for our benefit and to twist it to serve selfish purposes uh, and to avoid giving God that life. Uh, the, extreme, the extreme example of the mentality that all this activity, this uh, sexual activity, is about one's own selfish gratification is abortion. So that when a life is given, it has to be destroyed because not only it is, is it an unwelcome side effect of the, uh, the sexual activity, um, but it actually is an impediment for future enjoyment of it and uh, the, the enjoyment of life. This is the ultimate in uh, twisting God's blessings and graces to serve one's own selfish purposes. So those of us who have any love for God, any faith, and any love for our fellow men have to uh, stand up and absolutely refuse to go along with this anyway, this travesty, this mockery of marriage, because it is not only a, it's a mockery of God, a mockery of marriage, it is a mockery of human life. All of this is at stake here. What human life is, who God is, who we are, uh, this is what they're trying to, uh, not only to undermine, they're trying to destroy the very idea of this in their efforts to create a brave new world, which is uh, completely corrupt and perverted. Now, Tom, Father mentioned that they are trying to destroy marriage, and that can be a very broad uh, term. But in this case, at least, um, we're talking about the U.S. court system. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about, for all the non-lawyers uh, out there watching, what should they take away from these recent decisions? Well, what they should take away from the gay marriage decision is really the same thing that most of us knew to take away from Roe versus Wade back in 1973, um, that there is no rule of law in the United States of America. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because we all know, and uh, you know, a, a reasonably well-educated eighth grader can read and know that there's no right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. Now, here in the year 2015, a reasonably well-educated eighth grader can read and see there's no right to gay marriage in the U.S. Constitution. What does this mean? It means that the justice, the, the high court of the United States, is just making things up, make, making things that everybody knows is not there, imposing it, and we've been, in some ways, been trained as a nation and as good citizens to follow what the high court says. Uh, it's had disastrous consequences. I let Father could keep talking about theologically what the disastrous <laughs> consequences are, but just legally the consequences are disastrous. And, and I, let me just give you two, you know, one old example uh, that really developed for decades after Roe v. Wade. The, you know, there are very solid First Amendment principles in this country about the right to free speech, the right to assemble, the, the right to picket, the right to pray in public. None of this was ever questioned before Roe v. Wade. The body of First Amendment law that developed after Roe v. Wade was just astounding. Watching the federal judges, from the lower court judges on up, uh, create basically two First Amendments. There was a real big First Amendment for pornographers and blasphemers and uh, members of the media, defamers, all had tremendous protection under the law. You know, from the time I was in law school, 
um, I, in, in June of 1986, for at least the next 15 years, I was involved in litigating cases for pro-life people that had been arrested for doing nothing but standing or silently praying on public sidewalks. And again and again, the federal courts managed to take the First Amendment in the, in the direction where, where, where those people were convicted of crimes and the crimes were upheld. There was no First Amendment right to pray quietly on a sidewalk. Mm. It's a total breakdown of the rule of law. They create abortion under the 14th Amendment just out of thin air. Everyone knows it's not there. And within 10 years or so, the First Amendment's gone, or at least completely subservient to the right to abortion. The right to abortion, which was not in the Constitution, was way more important than the right to free speech, which is in the Constitution. Mm. That's what happened in, in the 20 to 30 years, and that led, led to some great dissents by Justice Scalia who would have none of it, and who was tearing apart the majority justices, saying things like, you know, absurdity is not is never an obstacle when abortion's an issue in a case. And we once referred to whatever it takes, abortion or jurisprudence, whatever it takes. So that's so now fast forward, you know, we're really looking at the same thing here. And even before the Supreme Court's gay marriage decision, I was personally involved in cases where I again watched Judges, state and federal courts, really. I mean, it's you know, it's two separate court system, but systems. But uh, I've watched the same thing start happening when homosexuals are involved in litigation. You know, I spent three years litigating a case uh, about twelve years ago that culminated in a finding in Ohio, in the Ohio Court of Appeals, which the Ohio Supreme Court refused to review, uh, that a street preacher who went to the um, annual homosexual parade in Columbus, Ohio, burned a rainbow flag. He got his own gay pride flag and burned it in counter-protest to the homosexual parade. And he was convicted of a crime for burning the gay pride flag. Right. And everybody knows from the efforts of Congress and through the 90s to protect the United States flag, just to protect the U.S. flag, because of how the desecration of the U.S. flag caused such pain to so many people, especially the veterans whose fam families and veterans had died for, for our country. Twice the U.S. Supreme Court would not allow that protection of the, US, to the, of the United States flag. I've had a client convicted of a crime for burning the gay pride flag. That was 12 years ago. That, that, now we just have gay marriage as of three months ago. <laughs> so so it's, it's cascading. It will continue to happen there is no rule of law in the country. In this country, there will be special rights, special exceptions, new principles created to mollycoddle the homosexuals, just like the courts have been mollycoddling the abortion clinics all these years. Mm. You made an interesting statement about the idea that this is all cascading, and uh, I came across an interesting quote, and uh, it said that sexual identity is now the highest and most personal form of conscience, not faith. I like uh, your comments on that. Uh, who said that? <laughs> uh, it, it, some of the um, some of the people out there who are uh, trying to make the argument that what Kim Davis is doing, while it is uh, somewhat brave, is actually hurting the cause of uh, religious liberty. Well, whoever said that was not lamenting the fact, but they were saying that this is the way it should be, that's the, that's and the, that has to be accepted. The new, the new fact. Understood. Sexual identity? Sexual or? identity is now the highest and most personal form of conscience, mm -hmm. not faith. 
Well, isn't that just uh, amazing? You know, there, there are certain uh, entities, uh, corporations, uh, colleges, universities, uh, that are listing 5, 10, 15, 20 different sexual identities to choose from now. So uh, they've gone berserk in this. And again, this, I think, is, is an absolute, uh, it's a satanic mockery of God's creation. It's basically a statement, we can mutilate ourselves any way we please now. The only thing that you can't be is what God made you <laughs> and, uh, and what God wants you to be. Uh, and uh, we, we're, we're off in fantasy land and we're going to create ourselves. I mean, uh, not to become too philosophical about it, but this is, this is the ultimate uh, end of insanity, the insanity of existentialism which says that every individual has his own reality, has his own truth, because everybody has his own experience, and thus every individual makes his own reality for himself. And he is the center, basically, of a world of his own creation. He is the God who creates his own world around himself. And everything is good insofar as it makes him happy, and everything is bad insofar as it makes him sad. Um, and so, but, but when you take this, this whole idea that people are just sort of creating their own reality? Uh, what, what do we call uh, someone who is completely out of touch with reality? We, we say they're insane. They're crazy. <laughs> and uh, we, we are actually creating a world of insane people, well, each and every one of whom has been taught in the universities or wherever else by the modern culture uh, to, that he's entitled to his own reality, to be the god of his own universe of his own creation and uh, to anathematize anything and anyone who uh, crosses him and contradicts his personal will or his personal identity, whatever that may happen to be at any given moment, uh, and to canonize and glorify anything that serves his own purposes. Uh, this is a formula for absolute disaster. It's a formula for hell. It'll create hell on earth. That's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to annex earth as an extension of hell. Uh, I'll turn the floor over to Mr. Kleiner. Well, I have two reactions. You just played into one thing I was going to say. Now I'll say two things. First of all, we're the new crazy. Uh, <laughs> if, we, if you believe in objective reality and the God who created it, yes, you're dangerous. That is right. We're threatening all their little worlds out there to burst their little bubbles. You know, what you said, in 1992 is when a case went to the U.S. Supreme Court that everybody was on the edge of their seats. It was Casey versus Planned Parenthood out of Pennsylvania. Everyone was on the edge of their seats that this could be the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And uh, Justice Souter was only a year on the court, and what happened was um, Souter, who was a Bush appointee, and Kennedy and O'Connor, two Reagan appointees, three Republicans, mm -hmm. formed the plurality to save Roe versus Wade when it was ready to go down. Uh, Kennedy wrote the opinion, and Kennedy said something in there that, shame on me for not knowing it verbatim, because it really is such an amazing statement he made in there, talk, developing this idea of a liberty, the liberty interest for a woman to be able to kill her child. And he said, the essence of liberty is, being, is the freedom to define one's own existence. 
and he went off from that. And, and that's been a laugh. That statement's been laughed at amongst. No, this is the Anthony Kennedy who. Same who, one who wrote the gay marriage decision. No, no, the right. essence of liberty, this it might not be verbatim, but the essence of liberty is the freedom to define one's own lone existence and, the, and their own meaning of life. And, and, He's an existentialist. Well, and, and, right, he is. And so it plays into everything you just said, but to show the insincerity in it, to show the hypocrisy of this kind of liberal thinking, what about Kim Davis's right. freedom to define the essence of her own life? Mm -hmm. Where did that liberty suddenly go? She said, I'm a Christian. I cannot participate in gay marriage. She just wants to be left alone. Just wants basically. to be left alone to define her own existence. Mm -hmm. uh, and they won't let her. They threw her in jail. Mm -hmm. So it's only some people that have the right to define their own existence. Right, right. The ones that Anthony Kennedy likes. Uh, happens to like <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Well, didn't Anthony Kennedy also just... Uh, in dealing with the Defense of Marriage Act, say that the Supreme Court does not have jurisdiction here, that this is a state's rights issue, and then utterly, completely contradict himself in this uh, in this latest decision. That's that's what he said. And, you know, I've got to be, I, I got to give full disclosure here to the audience and to many attorneys who might overstate my qualifications. Mm -hmm. and, okay, <laughs> I don't read these decisions. I can't read them. <laughs> I can't read these things. Mm -hmm. I, I start reading. I go to. I will typically go to Justice Scalia's dissent, mm -hmm. read that, and that tells me what, what malarkey went on. Mm -hmm. um, because I can't read that stuff. I mean, it goes on and on, and it, it insults my intelligence. Mm -hmm. I, I don't read them. Well, you know what so, Scalia said about it. You know what even uh, even Roberts said about it, right? And Tom, I tried to read uh, Kennedy's. I read pages and pages of it, even from a philosophical point of view. But I'm used to reading things by pretty crazy philosophers and so on. But this was really, um, uh, you know, take take Kierkegaard and Kant and Hegel and a bunch of other of these uh, philosophical uh, ne'er-do-wells and put them all together. And I, th I think Ke uh, Anthony Kennedy must have studied under them. Maybe he got his PhD as, as, as JCD or whatever he's got out of because, uh, I mean, he's off in this philosophical rambling no-man's night. It's like Alice fell through the, the rabbit hole or uh, looking glass here. And I don't blame you for not having uh, I, I, can't, I simply for, can't read it. I, I'm, I'm just not equipped. I, I have to stop. Does but, it give you a headache or does it make you feel like your brains are, are getting scrambled? Yeah, that's, it's more of that. It's more of that. But the... the um, just lost but you were, you were going to get on the point. I asked if he, in the Defense of Marriage Act decision came out saying this is a state's rights issue. The states right. have to have to deal with that. So the federal government had no right to pass a Defense of right, Marriage right. Act. Right. When, right. When striking down the federal statute defining marriage as between one man and one woman, woman, Kennedy struck it down on the idea that the federal government has no jurisdiction over that issue. It's a state law issue. Okay. He then turns around a few years later and finds it in the federal constitution. Well, look at there. And here's the other thing I, I lost my thought on, talking about his rambling and his thinking. I, I read an analysis from a local attorney who had read it and gave his analysis. And if this is true, and, and this, this plays into my thing that there is no rule of law. He said that in Kennedy's opinion, he kind of banties back and forth between invoking the principles of the Due Process Clause in the U.S. Constitution, Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments, and the Equal Protection Clause in the Fourteenth Amendment. But he never really roots this right to gay marriage in either of them. 
He kind of just plays off of both of them with a lot of philosophical kind of wandering back between them, but never says there's a right to gay marriage in the due process clause or there's a right to gay marriage in the equal protection clause. Mm -hmm. Now, if that analysis is right, that goes to show just on one more level how there's no rule of law. He found a right in the Constitution and couldn't even decide in what amendment Mm -hmm. it came from. Mm -hmm. Well, it is true that he did say uh, concerning this, this decision that uh, the founding fathers left to future generations to determine exactly what rights apply here. And so he, he made it quite clear, as I recall, uh, Jim, you might have read this, uh, that this is actually a new right they just basically discovered that applies to people in our own day, right? Well, so that, 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 I think, goes along perfectly with what you're saying. They're making it up as they go along. They actually come out and say so, which means there is no rule of law. Well, that's right. And, and, and what they never talk about, it, it, this, this, it's really, uh, it's kind of all, I think, of any, of any justice through the years, it's kind of rooted in Justice William Brennan, who was another Catholic, who, who signed on to Roe v. Wade, and he was very liberal through the 60s and into the 70s. Um, um, lost my thought again. <laughs> Sorry. you got too many thoughts going on. Yeah. Um, oh, oh it's, it's the idea that there's an evolved... The, 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 oh, okay. the, the, a living the, constitution. A living constitution, the organic constitution. Mm. And, and that all sounds kind of good for people to think, well, you know, the world does change. We've got all kinds of technology now that we never had. We've got... Mm. It, it makes sense that, you know... And what they never really talk about two things. First of all, any changes needed in the law, that's what the legislature is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You, you vote for well, your office holders and let them make the changes reflecting the will of the people. Mm-hmm. The other thing, if these real things really have to be found or rooted in the Constitution, there is a process for amending the Constitution, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the whole thing of prohibition, they amended the Constitution to outlaw um, you know, alcohol, and then they, it didn't work very well, so they went ahead and repealed it. The constitutional provision for amending the Constitution occurred twice in the first half of the 20th century, and it worked well. The will of the people obviously won out. But now we've been taken over by the philosophy of William Brennan and now Anthony Kennedy that the people aren't really the ones that can amend what their rights are or, or elect the politicians to vote into law what their rights are. It's up to the judges to decide what everybody's rights are. You know what this sounds like? If you read Bashendi, Pius X, St. Pius X on modernism, it's as though you took the principles that he enunciates of the modernists and applied it in the political, secular, social order with these judges. Uh, the idea of a living constitution, this is exactly what the modernists have done to the, the church. They say, well, the church, the faith is a living faith, and so it has to change. Francis has even come out and said the tradition of the church is change, as though that's the only tradition of the church, to change itself. You know, it, it, it evolves, it metamorphosizes, no, nothing remains the same. The, uh, and, you know, watching Francis in action, you get the idea that, that that's exactly what he means, because nothing remains the same with him. But the modernists also, according to Pope Pius X, say that it's not up to the people to, uh, you know, uh, enunciate where they want to go so much, but the modernists are the ones who will interpret for the people how the faith should change. To keep up with the modern times, right? So, I, I mean, it seems to mesh very well. What's going on in the church, what's going on in our own society, the same principles seem to be at work here, and they're very evil and very destructive, right? I'm sorry, Jim, I think you were about to say something. 
Well, I just thought it was an interesting uh, comment that you made about the idea that things have changed recently. You know, there's cell phones and uh, automobiles and flying machines and all of that. But the fact of the matter is human nature hasn't changed in 200 years. So the, the Constitution is based upon what human rights and needs are, not based upon what the technology of the day is. Um, and moreover, I always find it interesting when the uh, Supreme Court judges now go back and talk about what the Founding Fathers had to say, but if you, or, or what their intent was. But if you look at what they did, if you look at the, the writer of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, when he became the third president, he was a strict constructionalist. If it's not in the Constitution, it's not in the Constitution, period. He wrote the Declaration of Independence. Uh, John Marshall, the, one of the first Supreme Court justices, uh, even though he was in the exact opposite political party of Jefferson, also found the same thing. Even when he was ruling on cases that he wanted to go a different direction, he said, no, I'm not going to because, you know what, the Constitution is the rule of law that we have to follow, and that's what I'm going to do, and I, and I don't have the right to do this, or I do have the right to do this, but it's pursuant to what the Constitution says, not in the prenumbras of the, of the of the Constitution. Right, and if I can pick up on that, you know, the, 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 the polar opposite of the debate about the living Constitution, you got Brennan's liberalism on one side, and Scalia is probably the one known for anchoring the other side, which is strict construction. And Scalia says two, two things. First, is something, in the con is something protected by the Constitution? You look at two things. First, you look at the text of the Constitution. Is it there? Okay, no, if, if it's not there, okay, if it's not there, then maybe you can read something into the Constitution if it is so firmly rooted in the traditions of the country that it's just implicit that it's there. I mean, again, might not be framing it exactly how Scalia would, but you look at the text and you look at tradition, and if it's not in those two things, it certainly isn't there. Well, consider this, you know, within 10 years prior to Roe v. Wade or even less than that, abortion in one form or another, was a crime in all 50 states. How is it, how is it a right rooted in the tradition of our country when it's a crime? More so with homosexual sodomy. A crime in all 50 states when the, or not all 50, all however many states there were, when the 14th Amendment was passed within 10 years after the Civil War. A crime, a felony in every state. And yet we are now to accept that it's rooted in our Constitution as a right. How is that possible? And it is, of course, impossible. It is impossible for rational people. Right. Uh, but for those who have an agenda, and there are, there are existentialists. I'm sorry to get back to the philosophy of it. But they're acting like philosophers. They're acting like philosophers. They're the gurus on the mountaintop who are just spouting out this stuff, their own personal philosophy, and it's very, very uh, twisted. You mentioned human nature hasn't changed. Jim, spoken like a person who believes in objective reality, they don't believe in human nature. The existentialists refer to the human condition. They don't talk about a human nature because a human nature has to do with something that God created and fixed, and they don't like that. So the modernists talk about human condition. Uh, John Paul II repeatedly referred to the human condition because, he, I mean, despite all of the efforts they make to make him look very conservative, he was a modernist. And uh, so it is with the, with the modernists to this day, the modernists on the court. Well, well look at uh, the Roe versus Wade decision, right? This is potentially human life, right? Uh, it's potentially human life that can become human life. The existentialist says you become human when you can use your own will. 
That's why they're actually okay with infanticide, too, because the infant cannot determine his own course. The atheist philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre said that um, until you can actually use your own will, you are not human. And when you do use your own will, you use it to create your own humanity, right? So they don't even believe in a human nature. So how do you even have, a, have a, an intelligent, rational discussion with people who, who use terminology, but the words don't mean the same thing? This is the problem we have with the modernists. They use in the church the word sacrament. They don't mean the same thing as the Catholic meaning. Uh, they use the word Eucharist. They don't mean the same thing. Even the, even the word matrimony and marriage, they don't mean the same thing, which is why they do the things they do that are so contrary to Catholic tradition. And here you are, Tom, talking about this again. How do you, you know, derive a right from something that is so totally the opposite, opposed to it, but somehow they find a way to do it. Uh, and they've, they've seemed to uh, convince a lot of people that uh, they're right. But I think it's, it's only because these people are, are sharing in the spoils. And, um, and it, you know, what can I say? It's, it's a very evil thing. I don't want to take take your uh, uh, question away, Jim, because I know you had uh, questions that you wanted to ask. Can, can, I, can, I, can I? We've maybe talked a little more about abortion, a little less about Kim Davis uh, mm -hmm. than maybe when we started. Well, that's but, a good point. But, but since we've hit so much on on really the realities of the you know the judicial behavior in this country, mm -hmm. I, I want to say something that I I just learned it about a year ago. A fellow I think from American United for Life had written a book about Roe v. Wade. And I, 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 again, I wrote, read Roe v. Wade in law school. I might have read it one more time, but I haven't read it for a long time. And I really was not aware of this. You know, typically, when you have some kind of a, when you have litigation, when you have a case filed, it starts off in the trial court. U.S. District Court, Judge Bunning down there in Kentucky, he's a, he's a U.S. District Judge. The trial happens before him. Witnesses testify, they put on evidence both sides, if there's expert testimony needed, like on medical issues, you got your doctors testifying or any kind of, kind of experts. That judge makes a decision, up it goes to the Court of Appeals, the loser appeals, the Court of Appeals may do something with it, one way or the other, based on the facts that are in the record, the law that was applied. From there, if you can get into the Supreme Court, good luck, but some people, favored people seem to be able to get in up there. Uh, not many cases ever go there, but the Supreme Court then again, would they have to deal with the fact record that was developed? What are the facts of the case? Then apply the law to it. I mean, there's kind of an overly simplistic way to most people maybe understand that. There's something about Roe v. Wade I never knew until last year. Roe v. Wade was dismissed. The, 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 the uh, pregnant lady who had her baby, by the way, the there, was, there was never an abortion. Mm -hmm. Lawyers get her to file suit to challenge Texas abortion law. It gets dismissed. Uh, the case is dismissed. There's no evidence. It goes up. The Court of Appeals does something. The Supreme Court takes it and issues this long opinion dealing with all kinds of philosophy, medicine, history, all this stuff to arrive at the right to abortion. Do you know, again, it was dismissed by the trial judge. Mm. There was not a shred of evidence taken in that case. There were no witnesses. There was no evidence. It was dismissed mm -hmm. as a matter of law without a trial. Mm -hmm. Now, what does this mean? You mm -hmm. read that opinion. Justice Harry Blackman is talking all kind of, every which way about the development of the fetus. 
viability, potential life. How did he do that with no medical testimony? There was no evidence in the case, and these judges on the Supreme Court just took off with it with their philosophical ramblings without a fact record. And they with, just created and with, out of nothing. And with no medical evidence. Maybe, the, maybe they do think they're God. They created it out of nothing. That's right. Where in the Soviet Union did the Communist Party ever take it upon themselves to decide whether someone was human or not? Right? But our own Supreme Court took it upon themselves to decide whether the unborn child is even human life. I mean, I, I don't know that Stalin ever passed judgment about this or even pretended to, or any, any of the Soviet dictators. I have the power to decide what's human life and what's not human life. Uh, this, this is, talk about playing God. This, yeah. this is, this is yeah. ugly. Yeah. Well, even, even that idea about, you, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> the idea about playing God, though, I mean, it reminds me of what Henry VIII did uh, to the Catholic Church and, and his takeover, uh, deciding that he knew better than the Pope did. Um, and then you ended up with martyrs like St. Thomas More, um, who stood up for what was right. But uh, it reminds me very much of, of the plight of Kim Davis and the fact that More tried to just distance himself from the whole thing and say, you know what, uh, I don't agree with what's going on, but I'm not going to get involved in it. And, and Davis has done the same thing. She just said, I don't want to issue marriage licenses at all. I'm not, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, gay couples or uh, heterosexual couples. It makes no difference. And in fact, you just take my name off the whole thing, and then the whole process can go on. It just it violates my my religious beliefs. So here is uh, uh, this woman who uh, has taken this stance and has been very brave about it. But I, there is a whole group of people, uh, both conservative and liberal, who maybe uh, have the thought, "Why didn't she just resign then?" Well, she is an elected official, right? You're right. pointing that out. So um, they can't just fire her, right? That's my understanding. And I read that she could be impeached by the legislature of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, right? Probably. Then the politicians would have to stand up and be counted, and they're probably not too eager to do oh, that in okay. Kentucky. Well, the governor Bashir was not going to call a special um, meeting of the assembly because it would be expensive. But maybe, maybe that's it, right? Political motives, they don't want to be counted. So I guess the only other way that she would have, the only other option she would have would be to resign, right? If she doesn't want to stand up and, right, I mean, she could resign or she can... Or go to jail or whatever else they're going to do to her. Right, right. She can stay right where she is and say, mm -hmm. I'm not going to bend my knee, right? Non-surveillance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm right. not going to bend my knee to you. Um, you know, a, a thought that I had, uh, again, a kind of another constitutional thought I had on this question of... Because you read a lot, you know, what I've read in the newspaper, some of the blogs on the internet where people, even, conser even, even conservatives, people who are with her all the way on the morality of it and so forth, they do believe that uh, as a, if you're going to be a public official, you must discharge your duties and you can't let your own personal beliefs, religious or not, get in the way of your duty to enforce the law, apply the law and so forth. And that kind of principle, again, is how good Americans have been taught to think. So they would and argue that she should resign. Then. That she should resign. Yeah, if your conscience is that much in the way, you should resign. Mm. Um, well, I, I per, you know, it just goes against, uh, forget my instincts as a lawyer, just my instincts, you know, as, as a father, as a Catholic, uh, is, is that we're not just going to resign and crawl away mm. and let, let the uh, modern-day Philistines take over the U.S. government. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So we, I, I do think we want to resist. But constitutionally, my thought was, you know, it's a, it's a provision of the U.S. Constitution that there can be no religious test for public office, mm-hmm. which lets the atheists and the snake handlers and anyone else who's got religious beliefs that are mm-hmm. so far out doesn't disqualify them from having office. It occurs to me the philosophy that they are attempting to impose uh, on Kim Davis suggests that there is now, there is a test for religious office. And the test is, if you're going to hold religious office, I'm sorry, if you're going to hold public office, then you must, you you may have a religion, Mm -hmm. but you must have a religion that allows you to participate in sin. Mm -hmm. Or a conscience that is very flexible. Flexible enough that you will participate in what you believe to be a grave sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's now the test for religious office. But if you hold a religion, a religious beliefs that, say, that says, I cannot participate in homosexual sodomy, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the modern day people are saying is, you, you're disqualified from public office. And that is why uh, Kim Davis will not resign. I hope so. Because she's not going to concede that principle that uh, someone who is a Catholic or a Christian, right? who believes that something is morally wrong, automatically is disqualified from holding public office in in the United States of America. And if if she does not resign and and tries to follow her conscience, she is subject to be even imprisoned for it. And she's not willing to concede that. I have to believe that's part of her thinking. Mm -hmm. I think I I did read that that was, in in fact, where she's standing on that principle. Which is very brave. I mean, the easiest thing for her to do would be to resign and simply go off and live her life. But if she sees a higher principle here, that she is not willing to concede that Christians are disenfranchised. Um, they're either going to have to compromise their consciences or get out. Uh, they, cannot, they cannot have any, any official position in American governmental life. Uh, then she is saying, no, I do not concede that. Now, of course, those who have very flexible consciences, shall we say, or none at all, don't understand that because here you have a woman who has principle and they have none. Or what the principles they have are very self-serving. But she is motivated not by a self-serving principle, but by a principle of love for God and a desire to be faithful to him. That is anathema to them. They hate that, right? Um, So it's... It really is putting herself in a breach, in the breach. And I think she really deserves a lot of support in the sense that those who, who see the principle involved and agree with that principle, a love for God and desire to be faithful to God, really should be supporting this woman morally by their prayers and verbally by, by telling her that they, they agree with her and please stand firm, do not yield. Um, you know, what you mentioned, Tom, about the choice of staying in office and compromising your conscience. Well, in fact, in Kim Davis, she was elected the clerk of courts, right? Uh, right. By a 53% majority, I think, in Rowan County, Kentucky. And uh, she's serving that, that in that office. And uh, the document, the marriage license, bears her name and her authority on it. And that's what she's contesting. Take my name off that, and you can do what you want with it. But um, you cannot issue anything in my name that approves this. So it really is a matter of principle with her. Um, But she, 
um, she has in her office, while well, she's in jail, right? She has uh, deputy clerks, I guess, those who work under her. They've begun issuing licenses. They're signing the licenses. Her name is on the license, but they're signing them, right? And Kim Davis was saying, these licenses have no value in law without my approval, and I do not approve. Um, so she's been released, uh, having been warned by David Bunning. Uh, you can go back to the clerk's office, but do not interfere in what your assistants or your, your underlings are doing. Do not interfere with them in any way. Uh, the point the point I'm getting at, you know, is that there are at least two who are working, two people working in her, in her clerk's office, who are signing those uh, licenses for homosexual marriage against their consciences. They've actually said so. One is a woman who said her father is a preacher and she knows this wrong, but she's afraid. And so because of that fear of what might happen to her, she is explicitly admitting, admittedly, going against her conscience to sign these things. And the other one, I think, is Kim Davis's own son, who is working in the clerk's office, as Kim Davis actually worked under her mother previously. And her own son is signing these documents. Um, but, again, against his conscience. So this is, this is what they're saying. This, you, can, you can work with us, and you can hold office, but you have to do whatever we tell you, and you have to be able to violate your conscience because... If you don't, either you're subject to imprisonment or prosecution, litigate, whatever it is, or you resign. Right. And, and Some you know, choice. You know, I was I was saying the other day to you, Father, the um, uh, that that I don't pat myself on the back for being prophetic very often. That when I was dealing over the last you know ten to fifteen years ago, I talked about the client who was convicted for burning the gay pride flag, and I watched. And I was, did several trials around that uh, incident and some other related things. And watching the homosexual activists, and it's important to say that we're activists because you don't like to broad brush any group, and many of us know homosexuals, some close to us and others that, that, are, that uh, want to live and let live and don't want mm. to parade their sin around the streets and so forth. So I always want to really be careful. The activists are a completely different breed. These are nasty people. The, I've seen them in court. They make false charges. They um, they are not honest. They will do anything to break the opposition, to remove the opposition from the public square. And after I saw that back in 2002, 2003, I made the comment back then. And this is this was before... This was before the 2003 Supreme Court decision that for the first time gave constitutional protection to homosexual conduct. This was even before that. I said, these people will put us in concentration camps as soon as they think they can. Mm -hmm. And I know it sounded like an extreme statement at the time, but I, I realized what I was looking at. They, the thing about equality and tolerance and we're all part of the same community, we need to learn to live together, that is a complete lie. They do not believe that. That's not their goal. Their goal is to remove people like us from society. But these I are the, firmly the, the believe the that. The militants. Yes. The militants, absolutely. Yes. Brook, no opposition. Yeah. And they're ruthless. They are ruthless. They are ruthless. I could name names. I could name the names mm. in the cases I dealt with. Mm. These people had no intention of tolerating the Christian viewpoint on this. 
Are they hypocritical, though, in how the public persona they, they, they present? Absolutely hypocritical. Because they talk about peace and tolerance and we all live together. That's not what they want. They're going to crush people like us out of the, the dissent must be removed. They, they, they won't, can't even tolerate the debate. The, the dissent must be completely removed from public view. And so I, in a case like Kim Davis, then, the idea really is to crush her. Yes. So even though they could go to another, let's say, county and get the marriage license and have gotten through the process and so on, that's not the point. That is not the, the point. The point is to crush her right. because she stands and says, well, I, will not, I will not do this. If we let her stay in office, then several others will want to stay in office. And mm -hmm. suddenly we got a fight on our hands. Right, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, I, I, so I, this was a test case to determine whether there'd be any pushback. And if, if they push back, then they withdraw for a bit. But if there was no pushback, they would know that they can, they can go, the coast is clear, they can do anything they want. Is right. that right? I, I have some clients who were down there when she was released from jail the other day. They said there were 20,000 people around the courthouse. Is that right? 20,000 people. Do you know what the report said there were? What? 300. <laughs> uh, 300 yeah. 20,000. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, there were 20,000. You is, have to remember, though, that, that the pro-lifers and the, 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 the non-homosexuals are, are non-persons anyway. So we're lucky they even counted the 300. Maybe there are 300 uh, supporting the judge's decision to, in, to imprison her. And the other, you know, 17, whatever, 19,700 people didn't count because they were all, you know, supporting her. And therefore, non-persons. Well, and the, part of the problem here, too, is, is that the, the way the media portrays this whole thing, if you do a search on it, if you just put in Kim Davis and you do a search, what you, you come up with is uh, maybe out of the first 20 or 30 uh, different uh, hits that come up, you might get a couple that just give the facts of what's going on. Okay, that's, that's news reporting. That's probably what it should be. Um, and, but then you have the other, almost every other one uh, talks about the fact that uh, Kim Davis is not a martyr that uh, what she's doing is not right. Polls show that everybody, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independents, thinks that she should have been thrown in jail. Hit after hit after hit, the, the media portrays this, that people do not support her. Uh, the only article that I found that talked about uh, maybe, she's, maybe she's a brave person said that um, what was literally titled, Does Kim Davis Hurt the Cause of Religious Liberty? So even the one article that, that kind of... Yeah, it, it was terrible. And so the people out there are, are getting force-fed by the media, too, that, you know what, no one's with her. No one's with her. You know, she, she's just this rogue. And, and that may be what the judge and the U.S. Marshals and people thought was the case. And then 20,000 people showed up. And I also have clients who went to picket his neighborhood in northern Kentucky. And the, the judges, they brought Yes. Yes, I got a phone call from one of them to let me know they were doing that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and, but, the, you know, these are good, solid activists. These are salt-to-the-earth guys, mm -hmm. you know. They, um, and, and um, They're not motivated by hate. Oh, of course not. Of course, that's not it at all. But, but you have to believe that at some point they realize we've got 20,000 people mm -hmm. out here, and there were fewer yesterday, and there were fewer the day before that. Right. And it's someone increasing. might have thought we may have overplayed our hand on this one. We better pull back and thank goodness. And, uh, yeah. Thank goodness they got a little bit of a, a pushback, yeah. saying we're not going to let you do this. Uh, maybe that's exactly that's what they understand. It's the only thing they understand, right? Right. right. But 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 talking politically, what what we know is 
you know, political liberals, they are never retreating. Mm -hmm. They are always advancing, and they understand that every defeat is just another step Even towards victory. Even one step back, two steps. Step, yeah, that's right. 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 Okay. Now, the, the, you know, the political conservatives, the Republicans in this country, I think. Have shown they don't understand that at all. They've got it backwards. One step forward, two steps backwards. <laughs> yeah. They're doing a different dance. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I just thought it would be worthwhile mentioning what uh, the uh, uh, attorney, the attorney for Kim Davis stated here, he's an attorney with Liberty Council, right? and this was his comment on... Um, Kim Davis is jailing. He said, Today, for the first time in history, an American citizen has been incarcerated for having the belief of conscience that marriage is between one man and one woman. It's unprecedented in American law, and it answers the question, what will same-sex marriage mean for people of faith? So uh, that's. I thought it was a very concise statement of uh, the fact that we are at a crucial point here in our own history, even in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think is going to happen next? Well, that's a, that's a very big and uh, rather frightening question. Um, in, in the Kim Davis matter, what is going to happen next with her? What is she going to do when she goes back? I mean, her lawyers seem to point, she, she was silent on the matter, but her lawyers seem to point to the fact that she is not going to go back and allow the issuance of marriage licenses in her name. So what happens there and the support that she gets there could very well tell us the direction that many things are going to go uh, here in the future. They're hoping that by uh, letting her out and uh, that it'll, maybe everything will quiet down, but uh, what happens when she goes back and says, no, this isn't going to happen? Mm -hmm. uh, and if she does, uh, she that's very brave. Right? Well, interfere. She can interfere in any way, mm -hmm. uh, positively or negatively. With the issuance of marriage licenses. Yeah. So um, what direction are we headed in? Well, you know what? Uh, I think that the country as a whole uh, needs more people like Kim Davis. We need more people who are willing to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do this. Um, and if, if we don't have that, then uh, we, we are going the way of the uh, ancient Romans, quite honestly. Oh, boy. By the way, I, I should apologize for turning the tables on you. <laughs> Uh, my asking you questions, you know, because you're the one. <laughs> but I just want to point out that you are an attorney in your own right, and uh, so when I I ask, I'm, surra I'm surrounded by attorneys here, right? Uh, some would uh, uh, consider that to be a, a great privilege, and others maybe less so. But when I ask you, I know from a legal point of view, you know, I, a good reason for asking you, Tom. What do you think? What's going to happen? Well, let, let's let. Do a little more of a timeline perspective here. In 1986, a, a, the U.S. Supreme Court decided a case, which I I characterize as kind of the Roe v. Wade for the homosexuals. The question was whether, whether 13 years after the constitutional right to abortion was found, they wanted a constitutional right for homosexual sodomy, which was against the law in Georgia and most states. And that Georgia's anti-sodomy law went up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court decided, I think, six to three that there is no right in the Constitution for homosexual side. So that was slapped down. That was 1986. It only took 17 years, 2003, Lawrence versus Texas, 
for Justices Kennedy and O'Connor and the gang to flip it around and decide that, well, actually there is such a right on the Equal Protection Clause and this, that, and the other, and they, they, they created That was 2003. So until 12 years ago, it was still a crime, a crime. Now within 12 years, we've gone from it being a crime to it being something we were all told to tolerate to something that now people in private business had to accommodate, the photographers, the florists, now have to participate in things against their will, against their beliefs, just in their private conduct. Now we've gone to gay marriage being established as a constitutional right, and now they're jailing the public officials who won't serve. Mm. So in, look, imagine what's happened in 12 years. Mm -hmm. It's gone from a crime to commit sodomy to being effectively a crime wow. Wow. to oppose it. That's 12 years. That's stunning. I think I'll say no more. That, uh, that tells you where I think it's going. I don't have to say any more. <laughs> You know, you think about the Supreme Court, you think about the old mythological hydra with the nine heads, you know, and, uh, you know, you cut one off and two more grow back, and it's like this uh, this real beast. Well, I don't know, I, I, not that everybody on the Supreme Court is bad. I mean, the vote was five to four. Both both of these votes, right, the, the Defense of Marriage Act, to vote that down, right, five to four, same lineup of judges, right, as this... More recent decision, right? Five to four, same same actors involved, but uh, it seems that they're just saying um, we have no king but Caesar, or even they're saying we have no god but Caesar. You know, and 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 when you have these modern Catholics, so called these Novus Ordo Catholics, I'm talking about not only Anthony Kennedy, right, uh, um, but uh, I'm talking about those who are serving right on down the line, who say, this is personally against my conscience, but I am going to go along with it anyway. Uh, abortion is personally against my conscience. I, I don't agree with abortion, but I'm going to be pro-choice and let others kill babies, even if I don't think it's right. So I'm going to empower them to murder babies, even though I know they're babies and they're murdering babies. I'm going to say it's okay. How monstrous can you get? But they're all saying the same thing that Pilate said when he washed his hands. They, they're all saying the same things, you know, that, that the crowd responded. We have no king but Caesar, right? And that's what they're going to follow. And, of course, that was the cry that uh, sealed the, the, the death of our Lord. This is what they're trying to do to us now. Heaven help us, right? We, uh, we have to pray for those uh, that now have the courage and are in the place they have they need that courage because the moment wake will come when we will ourselves need the courage and will need the benefit of prayers also to be able to stand up and be counted uh, kim davis's uh, brave stance reminds me of the words of saint thomas more at the end that uh, he was the king's good servant but god's first mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, with that uh, we thank you for being with us for what catholics believe we have been receiving your feedback, and we greatly appreciate that. If you have any comments or questions, you can uh, email them. I uh, thank you, Father Jenkins, for again thank being you. with us. Thank you very much. And uh, Mr. Condit, we greatly appreciate you being here tonight for your That's insights. Enjoyed. Thank you. And uh, we remind you of Our Lady's plea at Fatima. Pray and make sacrifice. Thank you.